for those of you at home, you could not see the little ones because they had to see the, the little show to help them to do all that. It is best to be in the house of the Lord. All right. Well, we are glad you're here this morning. For those of you that are at home, we hope that you will continue on and worship with us as we break open the bread of life today. I want to ask you to uh, get your Bibles out. I want you to go to Psalms chapter 77 this morning. Um, Psalms chapter 77, something that's been uh, on my heart uh, for many weeks, many weeks. Uh, uh, I have uh, read article after article about what is going on in our country and actually around the world um, because of all of the craziness that is going on. Uh, an area that I think that all of us, at some point or another, will deal with if we have not dealt with or are perhaps even dealing with right now is the subject of which I want to talk about today. Um, I've entitled it, When Life Gets You Down. Um, every one of us experiences the reality uh, of some kind of discouragement. Um, mental health... Uh, according to uh, the, uh, the powers to be, uh, is at an all-time uh, struggle right now due to the pandemic, due to uh, the unemployment uh, that has taken place, due to all of the confinements of, of, of being left home and having to work from home and stay home. I have talked to many of our elderly as well as many of our others who have said that they're feeling uh, the pinch, they're feeling uh, uh, the closure, they're feeling the struggle uh, of it all. And so I wanted to take the time today to talk about that very important subject. And as a matter of fact, for those who listen to the thoughts for today, uh, all next week I will be addressing this throughout the week and kind of ending with this particular subject matter right here today. Um, so uh, I want us to read today Psalm 77 because Psalm 77 is written by one of uh, the Lord's musicians. And he talks about a time and a period in his life when he was going through a very dark and dismal place. And then he gives us some great words to help us to see how that we might find our way out the other side. So Asaph uh, is, is sharing his life with us here in Psalm 77. So we're going to read the entirety of the psalm uh, because it tells a story about what's going on. And maybe some of us will be able to relate to his story as we read it together. So for those of you that are at home, the, the words will be on the screen for you. The, those of you that are here, uh, if you would, let's stand together as we honor the reading of the word of the Lord. In Psalm 77, starting in verse 1, he says, I cried unto God my, with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. In the day of my trouble I sought the Lord, my sore ran in the night, and ceased not, and my soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and in my spirit was overwhelmed. Thou holdeth mine eyes waking, and I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient time. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with my own heart, and my spirit made diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever? And will He, uh, he be 
favorable no more? In His mercy, clean gone forever? Does His promises fail forevermore? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has He in anger shut up His tender mercies? And I said, this is my infirmities, but I will remember the years of my right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. I will meditate also all of the works and talk of thy doing. The way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? Thou art the God that does wonders, that thou declareth thy strength among the people. Thou hast with thine arm and deemed thy people uh, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. The water saw thee, O God, the water saw thee, and they were afraid, and the depths also were troubled. The clouds poured out water, and the sky sent out a sound. Uh, thine arrows also went abroad. The voice of the thunder was in the heavens, and the lightning lightened the world, and the earth trembled and shook. Thy way is in the sea, and the path is in the great waters, and thy footsteps are not known. Though thou lettest thy people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Father, we ask that as we have heard the story, the cry, the yearns of Asaph as he talks about his troubled plight, I pray that, Father, for those that are struggling today, for those that are hurting inside, those that are dealing with frustrations and depression and, and, and discouragement, God, I pray that you would find in us that troubled place and open our hearts to see how that you have given to us a path unto uh, uplifting, encouragement, strength, and renewal. Move me out of the way and hide me behind the cross, O oh Lord, that not my words, but your word would be spoken today and people's hearts would be lifted up. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you and you may be seated. When you and I review the great names and personalities of the Scripture, you become very quickly aware that almost all of them knew some sort of great discouragement, a deep time of depression. Let's listen to just a few of them. Job is signaled out as a man blameless and upright, whose staggering losses and long and painful illness brought him to a low place that he would say something like this, My days come to an end without hope. My eye will never again see anything good. Moses is described as one of the meekest men of all the earth in Numbers chapter 12 and verse 3. And he rises as one of the greatest examples of an ordinary man submitted to God, became one of the greatest of all Old Testament characters. Yet he faced with uh, the arduous task of being the leader and the answer man for over a million Hebrew people as well as the administrator of God's law, a role which he was assigned by God, but one that made more complicated by the tendency of the Israelites to gripe, to doubt God, and made uh, even to attack Moses and Aaron. 
Then came a time when Moses felt the crushing weight of all the assignment, and at last he cries out in Deuteronomy chapter 1, How can I bear the trouble, burdens, and disputes of all these people by myself? And then we come to the great prophet Elijah. Elijah, one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament, asked for his life to be taken. Then even King David, in his effort to hide his sin, made many journals entering in to speak about the total loss of strength and the ebbing uh, away of all that was worthwhile in life. The groaning, he said, that he took day by day. Think of Jonah. The first foreign missionary became desperately despondent when God did not destroy Nineveh as he wished. Jeremiah was also so profoundly sad that he is known even to this day as the weeping prophet. We could go on and on. There are Nehemiah and Ezekiel, Peter in the New Testament, and we could flip through the pages of the entirety of the Bible and find many, many, many of the great men and women of God who struggled in this area of discouragement and depression and and defeat. The company of the depressed is a very, very noble company. And whether we want to admit it or not, all of us have been numbered among them. One writer calls depression the common cold of emotional disorders. I think that's so fitting. All of our lips have spoken the words of discouragement from time to time. We have been depressed for this or for that. All of our hearts have felt it from one time or another or are feeling it even today. Every one of us has known at one time or another that slap of setback, that that grief of loss, the disheartenment of effect of stress upon our life. To be human is to feel the numbing, exhausting, and demotivating uh, uh, fog of depression. And then there are the kinds of depressions that are more complicated because they are not triggered from outside. They are triggered from inside, a chemical imbalance, a, a, a physical uh, thing that causes us to struggle with life. Some of these are battles that can only be fought through seeking medical help, getting uh, the help that we need to help our bodies become healthy again. Some of you here, some of you watching, some of you that will be listening at some point have felt this kind of depression. Perhaps even some of you are walking through it even today a dark valley that seems to have no end. What adds to the burden of depression oftentimes and despondence is the common misguided notion that good Christians don't get depressed. Any hint of depression around the church and and all of a sudden there's these little cute cliches that pop up. Remember, rejoice in the Lord always and you'll not be sad. Or something comes out sometimes like, all you need is a little bit more faith. Faith will see you through. Just have faith, my brother, my sister. Or maybe 
we get a pep talk. Come on now, get it with it, get moving, get up, let's get going. If we get going and get moving, we'll all make it through. Or my favorite, stop your pity party. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps and let's get back at it. What will people think if they see you? What will they think of God if they see you looking like this? We're not going to talk about cliches this morning. We're going to talk about something deeper, something more meaningful. I want to show you that God is closer than you think during your times of depression. During your times of trouble, when you are pressed down and and, and beaten under, Many of us have the tendency to think that God has abandoned us. We read it throughout the scripture already of great men and women of God who said, Where are you, O God, in my time of need? He's right there. He loves you. He will never forsake you. He will never leave you, but He will help you. Psalm 77 is intensely helpful in that it, when you're in this pit of depression and discouragement and, and, and weighed down with such a great burden, Asaph gives us some hope because he begins the, the story very depressed and very broken and ends it on an up note and tells us how he got from there to there. So I want to give you just a little bit of help today, a little outline to give you a pattern how you can regain your emotional equilibrium when life gets you down. First of all, we need to be reminded that we have a right and we have a way to cry out to God. Cry out to God. And when we listen to what Asaph says here, he says, I cry aloud to God, aloud to God. And he will hear me. In my days of trouble, I sought the Lord. My hands were lifted up all the night long. I refuse to be comforted. I think of God. I groan. I meditate. My spirit became weak. Right away, we begin to sense the hopelessness that Asaph is feeling in his life. Asaph begins to draw pictures with words that depict a great period of depression in his life and desperation. For instance, the word trouble in verse 2 describes a feeling of being confined. I thought of the fact that how many of us were told that we needed to confine ourselves to the house. We needed to stay in and, and, and stay away from other people. And, and how confining it, it, it feels when we feel like we, we don't have that human connection in which we need. The walls start closing in. Asa felt like he was in a dark tunnel. But the problem was there was no light that he could see at the end of the tunnel. When he says his soul refused to be comforted, he simply means he tried to shake it off like the normal means that we all resort to. But it simply wasn't working. It just wouldn't go away. He closes verse 3 by saying when um, he meditated, when he pondered on the situation, when he tried to think his way through the problem, when he tried to reason his way out, he could not find a way to get out of the deep pit of depression and discouragement that he found himself in. 
His spirit became weak, broken. His emotions sabotaged reason. It made no sense to him. And then he says that the, the escape of sleep eluded him. He couldn't even sleep it off. He couldn't even go to sleep and say, well, at least I can get eight hours and just forget about it. He couldn't even fall asleep. He stretched out his hands like a drowning man longing to be saved. Perhaps you can experience and identify with Asaph's feelings. But listen, don't miss what Asaph did. Don't miss the first step in, in restoring that equilibrium. Asaph cried out to the Lord. He responded in his time of battle, in his time of depression. He didn't pretend. He didn't bury his disillusionment. He didn't fake happiness. There's no indication that he turned to the things that we oftentimes turn to today, such things as food or shopping or alcohol or gambling or pornography or some other means in which we cope with the struggles of life. No. Instead, he got honest with God. Really honest. He says, I cried aloud. He got loud before the Lord. He cried out, his heart opened before the Lord, and he poured out his heart before God. He told God exactly what God knew he was feeling. He poured out himself before the Lord. And he said, in verse 3, he describes this further. He says, I think of God. I groan, and the word groan means something from a quiet noise to a raging explosion. Perhaps there were times when, when, when he just simply wept in, in quiet. And then there were times when he got loud before the Lord, Where are you, God? How many of us have ever cried out, Lord, where are you in my time of need? Why are you not here? Then we look down at verses 7 through 9, and Asa fills in some of the contents of his prayers. Will the Lord reject forever and never again show favor unto me? Has his faithful love ceased forever? Is his anger withheld his compassion? Is his promise to end for all generations? Has God forgotten how to be gracious? Asaph cycled through a wide and uncontrollable range of motions. But he didn't try to hide it from God. He told God exactly what he was going through. He was real. He was relevant. He was honest, yet humble before the Lord. He asked God the hard questions that depression oftentimes brings to us. And we find no indication that God was put off by that kind of honesty. Listen, my friends, don't be ashamed to admit that you're going through an inner turmoil, thinking that no one will know. Oh, I can hide it well. Listen, my friends, voice your concerns before the Lord. Nothing will offend God. He really wants to hear from you. As a matter of fact, God already knows what you're going through. He wants to hear from you in the midst of your trouble. 
In fact, the Bible promises that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. So pour out your heart, rather loudly or softly. God is waiting to hear from you in your time of trouble. My friends, we have a a God who cares, a God who listens, a God who has given us permission to cry out to Him. In a time when life seems to be getting you down and when all hope is lost, cry out to the one who is there for you. Call upon Him. The second thing that Asaph reminds us here is consider ways to redirect your thoughts. Cry out to the Lord and let Him know what you are going through. Be honest before Him, but then consider ways in which you might redirect those thoughts. Now, what does Asaph show us here? In verses 4 through 6 and then 10 through 12, we see a few things that he reminds us of. During one of those many sleepless nights, Asaph concludes that God was keeping him awake for a reason. You have kept me from closing my eyes, he says in verse 4. He lay there in silence, unable to speak, and his mind drifts back to sweeter times. Verse 5 reminds us that he says, I considered the days of old, years long past. At night I remembered my music. I meditated in my heart and in my spirit. Ponders. And what Asaph is reminding us of is that oftentimes we allow our mind to only focus on that which is there and now and what might be the future. When God reminds us that what we really need to do is turn around and look back to see the faithfulness of God. Be reminded of all the times that God was there for us. All the times that He had taken care of us. All the time that He's answered our prayers. Asaph reminded us that during those times of sleeplessness when our mind is focused on the the troubles of now, we need to redirect our thoughts to that which has been faithful before. Asaph deliberately focuses his thoughts on those past times when God seemed so near and he could push back the darkness with a song. Let me tell you, music is a powerful tool, even for those of us that can't sing a lick. You know what? God doesn't say if you can't sing on tune, don't do it. God says use the music, use the song of your heart to lift up your voice because it will lift up your spirit. Asaph went back to that which he knew and and that which he saw and that which he felt while he sung the songs of glory. Down in verse 10, He talks about how he did this. He said, I'm going to force my thoughts out of the dungeon back to the years when I saw God doing great things. In verse 11, he writes, I will remember the Lord's work. Yes, I will remember your ancient wonders. I will reflect on all that you have done and meditate on your actions. Can I just remind you that during a time of depression, it oftentimes thinks that God hasn't done anything for us for years and years and years. Depression and discouragement causes us to think that we have been abandoned forever and ever and ever. In many cases, it's simply just looking back to yesterday 
and seeing the bundle of blessings that God has bestowed upon us even during our time of discouragement. Friends, Asaph says that he refocused his thoughts by looking back at that which God had already done. What an important step when we feel down uh, and held down by depression. Oh, how that we need to regain a perspective of God's faithfulness, of His love, of His mercy, of His grace. You and I know that it's true when trouble crowds in and it's uh, getting up in the morning seems like a chore that we just don't want to do. Where does our mind tend to lean that day? It leans towards how bad it is now. And then it's easy for us to conclude that if it's this bad now, it's only going to get worse in the future. And we tend to look at it from the negative instead of the positive. That's when it's important to call for a mental timeout. Timeout. Hold on. Let's stop right here. Wait a minute. I've got to redirect my thoughts. I've got to think about this from a different perspective. I read this. Chip Ingram suggests doing what he calls the napkin exercise. And I, I thought this was really cute. Whenever you feel that you're yourself starting to go downhill, put a ballpoint pen in your pocket and go to a restaurant, get a soda. Well, that's a little tougher these days, but you, you get the idea. Uh, and, and put a, 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 get a soda and pull out the, your napkin and your pen and begin to list the specific blessings that happened that day. That week, that month, that year. These are facts, not feelings. Write down what God has done for you. Write down the best things that have happened to you in your life. List five people who love you. List ten answers to prayers in your life. And guess what? We begin to count our many blessings. We sing that song, count your blessings, name them one by one. Why? Because it is a biblical prescription for that central worship and that fuels your faith in God for a future. It takes that which is discouraging today and changes it to a hopeful future tomorrow. If God was that good in the past, if God's that faithful in the past, surely He will be faithful in the future. Surely He will fulfill His great love for me. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. When you mark God's faithfulness in the past, you encourage your weary heart for a new hope for tomorrow. Consider ways to redirect your thoughts in order to grow your hope for a better future. My friends, God never wants us to remain in a time of discouragement and depression. He always wants to bring us out the other side better than what we were. Cry out to God. Redirect your thoughts to the faithfulness and the goodness and the mercies of God. And then lastly, magnify the size of your God to diminish the size of your problem. My friends, we need to realize that Asaph started off his telling us his story of life by telling us how large his problem was. 
But he turned the corner in the end by telling us how big his God was. How great his God is. And listen, my friends, when we magnify the size of our God, we will always diminish the size of our problems. There's something about worship. There's something about praising the Lord. There's something about gathering with God's people that recalibrates the soul and causes us to to look at life differently. Listen, my friends, the Bible tells us that worship is an important part of our life. Worship is not the natural instinct, however, of a depressed person. When gloom closes in and all the, 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 the darkness focuses around us, it drives out life and it fades in the background. We tend to simply want to pull the blankets over our heads and hope that today will never come. But listen, we need to pull down the covers and we need to welcome the new day and we need to thank God that He is the God of today. He is our God. Asaph willed himself to come to worship. He said, I got up and I went to the house of the Lord. There's something about coming to the house of the Lord. I mean, I'm thankful for the internet. I'm thankful for the television. I'm thankful for the fact that during a time when we can't, we have a source. But there is nothing like coming to the house of the Lord. There's just something about it, people. In this time of great discouragement and time of great trouble, you and I need to be here on Sunday morning. Asaph concentrates uh, concentrates on the benefits that come from God Himself. In verse 13, he says, he first proclaims God's holiness. God, your way is holy. That's a unique, one-of-a-kind set apart from any ways of men. But God is great, he says, like our God. Amen? What other gods of this world compare to the God in which we serve? The God who paid it all for us on Calvary's cross. Down in verses 16 through 18, he throws down the gauntlet against the false gods of the Canaanites, uh, the gods of the sea and thunder and of the storm. And he says, The waters saw you, O God, and the waters saw you and they trembled. Even your depths shook. The clouds poured down water. The storm clouds thundered. Your arrows raced across, back and forth across the sky. The sound of your thunder was in the whirlwind, lighting up the world. The earth shook and quake because of you. This doesn't sound like a downcast Asaph. Instead, it starts to see that there is a new hope, a new light, a new encouragement. Worship moved him from self-imploding funk to a God-enthroned declaration of faith. My friends, worship, worship is something that is so important. Yes, we can worship wherever we are. Yes, uh, Jesus said some worship over here and some worship over here, but we all must worship in spirit and truth. Yes, we must worship the one in truth. But there is just something about being together with God's people. In verse 14, Asaph praises the miracle-working power of God. 
You are the God who works wonders. You revealed your strength among the peoples. He cites the example of God's deliverance of Israel from will always be holy. God is able. He has no trouble altering the name's darkest times of discouragement. Finally, Asaph locks in on God's redemption plan. If nothing else, my friends, we have something as God's people to praise Him for every day. The fact that He died on Calvary's cross and He shed His blood for us, that He died and He rose again so that we have the promise that this life, no matter how discouraging, no matter how hard, it is not all there is. But for the believer in Christ, we have a new hope. We have a hope of everlasting life with God. One day the troubles of this life will be over. And because Asaph focuses on the redemption of God, he sees that there is a future, there is a hope for tomorrow because God may call him to that glorious place called heaven. He reminds us that you redeemed your people, your descendants of Jacob and Joseph. It reminds you and I that God cares for us. He knows what's happening in your life. And he knows what he can do for you. He has that supernatural ability to do all that is necessary to fulfill every promise that he has made for you. He loves us enough to come after us even in our darkest of places. Maybe you find yourself there today. Maybe you'll find yourself there tomorrow. Maybe you'll find yourself there next week. I'm not sure. But I do know this. That if you're living a human life, you're a human being, struggling through the, the, the walk of this life as crazy as it is, some time or another, you will be there. So let me leave you with just a, a few words of advice. If you're struggling with depression, anxiety, and hopelessness, I want to encourage you today. First and foremost, talk to God about it. I promise you that God can handle the darkest and most dismal places of life. He knows what you're thinking anyways, and He simply wants to hear from you. Second, ask God for forgiveness because you've gotten your focus off of Him. It's out of whack. You've made your problems bigger than your God. Ask God to forgive you and to remind you that He is bigger than all of our problems. Ask for the ability to let go of all the anger and self-pity depression and discouragement beats upon us all. Let me remind you that you cannot get rid of it on your own. You need Him. Fourthly, take it day by day. God doesn't promise us to give us strength for tomorrow, today. However, God does promise to give us strength for today, today. Lean on Him today. Today is filled with all of its own troubles. Don't add to it by 
subscribing to tomorrow's troubles today. And then fifthly, depression has a tendency of causing us to want to quit, but I encourage you, do not quit. Do not give up. No matter how afraid you are, no matter how anxious you are about tomorrow, no matter how depressed and hopeless you feel, don't quit on life. Promise you, God will never quit on you. He will never give up drawing you back to Him. The lie of depression is that it will never end. It's here to stay. Asaph shows us that that's not the truth. God reminds us it's not the truth. Don't believe it. Depression may last a long time, but it's almost always temporal. Today, depression, discouragement is on a rise. It is a huge problem these days. If you are struggling with the thoughts of suicide, you cannot battle it alone. I encourage you, I implore you, reach out to a trusted friend. Be honest with them. Reach out to a family member. Talk to a professional counselor. Call the suicide hotline. It's never too late to cry out for help. Don't let it win. Asaph began with a great big problem and a little God. But he kept crying out to God. He forced himself to look back at the faithfulness of God to rehearse in his mind and to rethink his thoughts as to the goodness and the mercies of God. And he remembered that there was hope for the future then and there can be hope for the future today. And in that he worshiped before the Lord. He let his praise of God be known. For Asaph, he ends his time with a great big God and a much smaller problem. I encourage you, my friends, if life is getting you down, if you are carrying the weight of the world, if depression is causing you to struggle just to get up in the morning, there is hope. There is help. Do not let it defeat you. It's high time the church realizes that we can't hide the fact that we are all just human beings. We may be Christians, but some of the greatest followers of God in this book struggled with great depression and discouragement. But God was found faithful. He was then, and He will be now. Just
turned for help. Let me just pray for you, for those of you that are at home. There is a help available. Please feel free to call the church. Our number's there. Contact information is there for you. Call us. We would love to help you in any way that we can. For you that are here today, I want you to know that we are here for you. God is here for you. He loves you. And He has a plan for you, a plan to prosper you, not to destroy you. Depression will tell you that all is hopeless, but God says all hope is found in Him. May we turn our affections and attention to Him. Let me pray for you as we close our time together. Father, as we talk about this very important subject, Lord, we're reminded, oh God, that Father, there's all kinds of things that trigger depression. There are seasonal depressions, there are physical depressions, there are chemical depressions, there are people depressions, there are sin depressions. Lord, we know that, Father, that we as human beings fall under the weight of these kinds of things. And Lord, when it seems as though the pressure is too great to stand, God, may we find the life rope that you have thrown. May we cry out to you and look to you and know you. And Lord, for those that need professional help, those that need, Father, uh, medical help, I pray that, Father, that they would not uh, shun away, but, Father, that they would know that, God, you have prepared a way to help us. Lord, rather it be through the means in which Asaph prescribed, or rather it be through the means in which our medical professionals prescribe, God, may they know that you are there walking with them. As Aphus said, we're reminded that oftentimes when we look back through the troublesome times of our life and we see only one set of footprints and we wonder where God was, Lord, we're reminded that you were there carrying us. Thank you for being faithful to us. Now, Father, would you comfort the troubled hearts? Would you uplift and encourage the broken? And would you restore to strength and renew the worship of those, that, Father, that are beaten down? Father, may you, O Lord, remove the period of depression and darkness and shine your light of hope into that desperation. And Lord, we will be sure to give you praise, honor, and glory. We will worship you. We will lift our voice before you in praise. For because we know that thou art faithful and thou art gracious, reach down into the depths of our brokenness and lift us up and to make us whole again. We ask that you would move among us today, O Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For those of you online, I thank you for coming and joining us today in worship. Uh, we now ask that if you need us, call us. We would be glad to help you, but we are going to transition 
now. Thank you for worshiping with us. For those of you that are here with us today, uh, we're going to do two things. One.